0: This is Brain Diet, episode number 49. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode 49. How fun is that? I love seeing these numbers grow and accumulate every single week, and it's so fun for me to be able to record this. So, here we are at 49 and beyond. Here we come. <laughs> I am so glad that you are all here, and I have something kind of exciting to tell you about before we get into today's topic. So I have been working with one-on-one clients for the last year and a half of my business. I love working with one-on-one clients. It's so much fun for me. I love coaching these people for such extended periods of time. It's something that I enjoy very much, but I want to help more of you. I feel like I am at a point where I don't have enough time to reach all of you that are reaching out to me for help. So I have created a solution that I hope all of you listeners might be able to utilize to be able to get quality coaching and quality help for what you need for a significantly lower price than what I currently charge for my one-on-one clients. So next week, I am opening up enrollment for the brain diet membership program. Okay. So next week there will be a link in the show notes and you will be able to enroll for the launch that will be March 1st. So in joining the membership, what does that mean? When you join, you will get access to me. You will also get my live course, the diet that has nothing to do with food. There will be opportunities for live coaching, there will be opportunities for written coaching, and there will be classes. I just can't even get started on how much value is in this membership program for such an incredibly low price. Again, I've put so much love into this program and cannot wait to launch it. So I wanted to give you some info ahead of time to anticipate that next week I am opening up enrollment for this program, for this membership, and it's actually really useful for those that want live coaching with me, that want to work directly with me, but it's also really useful for those that want to stay behind the scenes, that want to get some coaching and learn from other people without having to be coached live. This really is such an all-inclusive program that works for all different kinds of people that will be useful in whatever way you want it to be for you individually. And that's what I love so much about it. So I will be opening that up next week, launch March 1st. So be on the lookout. I will also be sending out information about it in my weekly emails. So if you aren't receiving those, click on the link in the show notes to go to my website and just scroll to the bottom and you can put in your information so that you can receive more information on this upcoming membership. Listen, I love what I do and it just fills my soul and fulfills my life purpose to be able to help you and I want to be able to help more of you and I feel like this is the way that I will be able to do it. So again, if you want more information, get onto my email list. I'll be sending out more um, information about it and then as things go, it will just keep growing and get better and better. So I am really excited to share that with you and if you're interested in that, be sure to check it out. Today, I want to teach you how to change your life. You have what your life is right now, and you might want it to be different. In order to change things, however, it requires you to do hard things. To get what you want in life, I believe is meant to be difficult. I kind of believe that that's the point. If we all got what we wanted without challenging ourselves, without doing things that are hard, then everyone would have what they wanted, which would eventually mean that no one would have what they wanted. you feel me? Not everyone wants to do hard things, but when we do, that's how we create the life that we want. I have loved to see how my life has changed because of doing hard things. And I am now living my dream life because of it, because of my willingness to embrace difficulty and embrace negative emotion that we will talk about a little bit later. Because of how much I have seen my life change, and because of how much I have seen my clients' lives change, I have made it my life's work to help as many people as possible do the same, to help as many people as possible learn how to manage their minds so that they can create the life that they want one of the main things that i coach on in my practice for those of you that are familiar with me is weight loss and emotional eating and sometimes when i say those types of things people will roll their eyes or have any variety of responses but the reason that i love coaching on this topic is not because I care what people look like and not because I care what weight people are or if they've gained weight or lost weight. I don't care about any of that. But what happens when we address our relationship with food is it brings up all the hard things for you to tackle. It brings up all of the problems in your relationships. It brings up all of the stress that you have. It brings up the Anxiety that you have about your job, it brings up the frustration you have with politics, the self-doubt you have with raising children, the dialogue you have in your brain about you, what you think about you. When you start looking at your relationship with food, all of that comes up because otherwise what happens is we feel certain things about our relationships and our jobs and politics and children and we go to food for comfort And again, this isn't necessarily a problem, but I do think it's really interesting to take a look at in your own individual unique circumstances and to see that when you can bring up the actual problems and solve for them, again, the weight loss, the emotional eating, that's just kind of a side byproduct. But imagine what a different person you would be if you were able to show up in your relationship confidently if you were able to manage stress, if you were able to love your job, if you were able to make peace with politics and love yourself as a parent and also love yourself, period, have amazing self-esteem, that's the kind of work that comes when you start to look at your relationship with food. That's why I love doing it. When I did that work on myself, that's what allowed me to create the life that I wanted because I addressed all of my crap. So that's what I love. That's why I love doing it. And it's such a powerful way to teach someone to manage their mind. So in order to teach you how to change your life today, first I want to teach you two things that you are not. Because as long as you believe that you are these things, then you won't be able to change anything. You won't be able to change your life. So the first thing, you are not your life. Hear me here. You've got you... And then you've got your life, meaning you've got everything outside of you. You've got the family that you were born into. You've got your job. You've got where you live. You've got people in the world. You've got politics. You've got everything outside of you that contributes to what your life is. But there is you, and then there is your life. Sometimes when we are defining ourselves and trying to figure out who we are, we look outside of us. We look to the family that we were born into and the job that we have or the current state of the world to define who we are. We look at what's happened to us. We look at what people have done to us. We look at how much money we have to decide whether or not we are worthy. But what's happened to you, what people have done to you, how much money you have, what family you were born into, that's the world. That's your life. That's outside of you. But then there is you. And you are not your life. You are 100% worthy and 100% lovable. There is no evidence that you could provide me with that could contradict this truth. A lot of you will want to argue with me. And say, no, listen, I did this and I know that I am less worthy because of it. But before you argue with me, take it in for a minute. What if I'm right? What if there is you and there is your life and the two are separate and not interdependent on one another? What if your worthiness was inherent? Take the hardest thing you're dealing with right now. If you separate you from it, there's the hard thing that you're dealing with and then there's you. And you, no matter what, are 100% worthy. Think about this terrible thing. And if that's what makes you worthy, you are wrong. Just as you came to earth as an infant with a nose, you came to earth with worth. And it's not like there's a moment in your life where all of a sudden that definitive truth just starts to change. Like all of a sudden you come to an age where you can define your worth. Because as an infant and as a human at whatever age you are, That worth is still the same, just as you still have a nose, I hope. (laughs) So you are not your life. You are worthy no matter what. And I'm not just saying that to try and hype you up and try and make you feel better. This is just what's true. So take that in for a second. If this is true, how might things change for you? The second thing that you are not is your brain. Again, so there's you, just like we talked about in relation to your life. There's you. And then there are the thoughts that you think. Did you know that those two are separate? That just because you think certain things doesn't mean that's who you are. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. You might have thoughts that you think to be true. Thoughts that you think you are just observing. Something like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Other people have it better than I do, or I will never be able to have the life that I want. And what I want you to see here is that there is you and then there are the thoughts that your brain is offering you as an optional suggestion of what to believe. Even though something like I'm not good enough might seem very compelling and very true for you, it's just a thought that your brain has created. And people might try to argue with this, but as much as you could provide me with evidence to prove your thought true, it still is just a thought. The question remains is how are we able to witness ourselves thinking? This is something that I talk about all the time on the podcast because I think it's such a profound thing to think about as we start to assess our lives and assess our brains. There is a part of us that is able to examine the thoughts that we think. So what is that part if not us, if not our true inherent human person that has nothing to do with the thoughts that we have or the circumstances around us? This is something that we should have been taught as young children. We should have been taught as young children that just because we think a thought doesn't mean it's true. Or just because someone has told us something about us doesn't mean it's true either. When we know this, it allows us to decide on purpose how we want to think about things. Otherwise, when we don't know that we can decide to think or not think certain things, we develop a deep program that is hard to see as optional. So that is why as adults, there are so many things that you might initially call out and say, hey, wait a minute, that's actually just a thought. And your brain's like, no, it's absolutely true because that's how we've thought our entire lives. When people think that they aren't good, we don't try to change the person. We just change what they believe. Someone that believes I'm a terrible person will do terrible things. Someone that believes that has gotten their identity based on the world, based on what other people have told them, based on their thoughts, based on what they've done in the past. But because they continue to believe this, they continue to create evidence to prove it true. When really, it's just a thought that their brain is really good at thinking. And no matter how good your brain is at thinking certain things about you, no matter how hard your brain wants to believe that you aren't good enough. It's still just a thought. Isn't that the best news? I know some of you are just shaking your head thinking, no, there's no way I could believe anything else, but I want you just to plant the seed that what you think about yourself is just an optional sentence and you get to decide what you want that sentence to be. So we have what's outside of us that doesn't define us. Then we have our thoughts that don't define us. And then we have us as worthy humans. We think too often that our thoughts are simply observations, that they are factual observations about the world, so we don't question them. We think that how we think about ourselves is factual, so we don't question those thoughts either, but then we all of a sudden feel terrible all the time. Like think of those people that feel terrible and have terrible self-esteem and we wonder why. But if you were to look inside their brain and watch the dialogue that was happening, it would make total sense. You'd be like, no wonder this person feels so awful. This is why it is so crucial and a crucial part of my practice that I recommend to do thought downloads, to get everything out of your brain and onto paper so you can see what's going on in there. I've done that so many times and been like, oh my gosh, no wonder I feel so terrible right now. I'm thinking these awful things that aren't helpful for me. And they are also optional. So you are not those things, you are not your life, and you are not your thoughts. So now I wanna share with you three things you can do that will allow you to change your life. The first thing you can do, did you know that you can create your feelings? Did you know that your thoughts create how you feel? I think of growing up in school, Once a teacher would ask a question, and if you tried to answer it and answered it wrong, you'd have a thought like, I'm such an idiot, and you would feel so embarrassed. Versus if you answered a question wrong in school, and you approached it with, okay, let's see if I can figure this out. A thought like that, and you'd feel totally curious. All that would take is a shift in thought from I'm such an idiot to, Let's see if I can figure this out. (laughs) How you think about your life creates how you feel. Now, most of us want to be happy all the time. This is another thing I talk all the time about on the podcast. We think that the point of the world is to be happy all the time. We think that happiness is the goal, but that's not the case. My friends, if you think about it, there are things that happen in the world that you don't want to be happy about. So do you know what the goal is? The goal is to be human. The goal is for you to choose to be sad when sad things happen and to choose to be happy when happy things happen, but not to try to be happy about everything. That makes no sense. If feeling emotions, both positive and negative, is part of being human, then the more you are willing to feel your emotions, the more you can accomplish. Think about why you're not pursuing something. If you have a goal to write a book, to get a certain job, to go back to school, to start a business. Think about the reason why you're not doing it. It's because you're afraid of what you might feel. You're afraid of feeling embarrassed. You're afraid of failing. But if you were willing to feel failure, if you were willing to feel embarrassed, imagine what would get accomplished. Nothing would get in your way if you start to feel fear or if you start to feel negative emotion, you'd be like, no problem. I can totally feel this negative emotion and I'm just going to keep going until I accomplish my goal. So often when we set goals and don't pursue them, it's because we are so afraid of what we would feel if we don't accomplish them, which is funny because we're the ones that create what we feel. What we are afraid of most is an emotion that we would create. Isn't that just mind-blowing to think about? If you're willing to feel negative emotion, you can accomplish anything. If you want to feel a certain emotion, if you want to feel happy, then you have to practice happy thoughts. And if you want to feel committed, then you have to practice committed type thoughts. But it does take practice in order to make thoughts believable. And I'm not saying just to throw affirmations on your brain necessarily, because if you try to throw amazing thoughts that aren't believable onto your brain, your brain's just going to argue with you. Like if you try to think, I'm amazing, your brain's going to be like, no, I'm not. Or if you try to think, I'm totally capable, then your brain's going to be like, no, you're not. So what you have to do is find thoughts that you do believe and practice them. You have to challenge your brain to look for evidence to prove other thoughts true. You get to create your feelings on purpose. You get to create the feelings that would create the life that you want. The next thing that you can do is fail. Going back to the school example, our schooling system teaches us that failure is bad, that failure is wrong, that you should shoot to do things in a certain way so you can get a certain grade so that you can move forward. I think this is a very poor way to teach children to think. Failure is the only way to succeed. And I know that sounds cliche, but think about it. The classic example of Thomas Edison and the light bulb, the only way he figured out how to make a light bulb was failing however many times he failed. Thousands or hundreds, I don't remember what it is, but a lot. When we fail in any regard, we are one way closer to figuring out what works. We know one thing that doesn't. We are one thing closer to figuring out what does. I like to call this failing forward. When we fail at anything, it moves us forward because we have more information with which to work, we have more data, and we have more knowledge. Willingness to fail is what really creates change. We need to learn to fail just like playing a sport. Like you go into a game and you know you might lose, but are you still willing to play your heart out? Absolutely. Think of the Super Bowl. Think of those two NFL teams that walk onto the field knowing that losing is a possibility, and yet they get out onto that field and they play their hardest. Can you imagine if you showed up in your life with that kind of tenacity, knowing that you might lose, but you still put your whole heart into it? Like there's a reason that those NFL players have gotten that far in their sport, It's because of their willingness to fail, their willingness to try things and fail miserably for the sake of that one chance to win, for the sake of getting to the Super Bowl, the one time. Failure is an amazing part of being human. It's an amazing way to teach ourselves and to learn and to grow. So I want you to consider, what if you were willing to fail at everything For the sake of the option of success. Because the second you aren't willing to fail, you inevitably eliminate the option to succeed. The next thing that you can do is create your future. Your future is going to either be created on default based on the patterns that your brain is currently in, or you can create it on purpose. If you keep operating from the same beliefs that you've always operated, it's like you're still riding a bike when it's time to upgrade to a car. If you're riding a bike, it's going to be very familiar and it's going to be very safe and you're not going to know anything different. But if you want to drive 80 miles per hour, then you have to change things. You have to look at your bike and recognize that this bike isn't going to get you to 80 miles an hour. You have to upgrade to a car. That's what's going to get you to 80 miles an hour. But if you keep referencing everything that's happened in the past as you've been riding your bike, then you're not even going to believe that it's possible to get up to 80 miles an hour. What happens is you have you in the present moment and you have your past. What happens is we have thoughts about our past that we think, again, are just observations. We think they are just true as we think about our past. But when you think the same things about your past, that you're thinking about your future, do you know what you're going to create? A lot of the same, my friend. So your future is unknown and has yet to be created. So what determines what it will look like are the thoughts you choose to think. So what determines whether or not your future is amazing? It's your thoughts about it. But a lot of that work has to be done going in and recognizing where you're riding a bike when it's time to upgrade to a car. Meaning what thoughts you're thinking about your past that aren't useful, that aren't going to create something in the future that you've never created before. How many of you think about your future on purpose? How many of you think about what it will be and what you want it to be and what you dream of on purpose? If you don't, you will just create what you have in the past. If you have created a lot of negative self-talk, it will just create more negative self-talk. If you have beat yourself up a lot, you will just create more beating yourself up. That's why you have to pay attention to what you're thinking. So my friends, the two things that you are not, you are not your life and you are not your brain. And the three things you can do are create your feelings, fail, and create your future. Utilizing these ideas is what allows you to change your life, to change your future, to recognize that you get to think whatever you want and how you think is going to create all of the results that you have. You have to look inside your cluttered closet in order to clean it out. You need to look inside your brain before you can manage your mind. That is what I have for you today. Thank you for listening and be sure to be on the lookout for the Brain Diet membership that is opening up enrollment next week. It's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to see you all inside. Have a great week.